This is the Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast, Tuesday, July 11th, 2022. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, insight, and perspective from members of the Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee. Joining us, Blaine Disrude, trader and research analyst. Welcome. Morning, Danny. Trevor Nargis, investment management specialist. Welcome to you. Hey, thank you. So this week, we wanted to dive into growth versus value. This year has been a bit of a breakout year for value compared to growth, and that has been a change in uh, the way that those two different asset classes or different types of equities have been trading over the past decade. There's been a lot of discussion and a lot of debate as to whether value is going to outperform growth or growth is going to outperform value. Trevor and I just wanted to kind of dig into what is growth, what is value, what's the strengths of each, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Looking at growth stocks to just get a baseline definition or an understanding since everyone likes to use the word but not necessarily define what that means, we are going to describe a growth company as a company that has above average earnings growth, typically trades at a multiple, which is price to earnings, price to book, or price to sales that is higher than the market average. Also, company that has sales growth that is above the norm, and then also some momentum behind it. From a value standpoint and a value stock, we are dealing with companies that have low price to earnings, low price to book, or a low price to sales compared to the market. Uh, the S&P 500 that themselves have two indices, the S&P 500 value and the S&P 500 growth, and that's how they define it. We wanted to use that as our baseline when describing that. The strengths for this year, strengths in value, I had cash flow. Companies in the value side have had strong cash flow this past year. They've also typically established a customer base and have that loyalty that ties with their product or service. And then they're also benefiting from the economic activity that we've seen over the last year or so. I'd piggyback on that, considering that we've said multiple times before this week, these more value-oriented companies, they have more immediate cash flows. Their businesses might be a little more sticky to the consumers. Their consumer base might be a little more entrenched. It's going to be a little harder for them to pivot. Think of something like staples or energy, things of that nature. People need to buy gas. People need to go to the grocery store. These value-oriented companies have benefited this year in the sense that growth companies have really taken it on the chin compared to their value counterparts. Now, there's a few things feeding into that, right? We have stricter monetary policy, higher inflation expectations, lower growth. I think the confluence of all those factors has really pointed to the, I guess, value growth argument and what might look more attractive going through this year as we maybe come into an economic environment that could last a few years where you have a little tougher comps. It's a little tougher for investors to justify these premiums that they're paying for growth companies. I think just tighter financial conditions in general, it makes sense that these value companies have outperformed their growth counterparts going into this year. Again, I think it really comes back to Blaine's earlier point that those cash flows are more immediate. Those balance sheets might look a little stronger. They're a little more financially sound. Combining all those factors is what's really helped value this year. The counterpart to that for growth, we just kind of hit on what strengths are for value, which translates to weaknesses for growth. Those growth companies are generally still growing. Guidance has come down or is looking like it's going to come down, but those companies are still growing. And debt, even though interest rates have come up, is still relatively cheap to what we've seen over the long term. Those companies can still finance their projects if, if needed. 
Well, and that's the thing, right? Over the past few years, even these growthier companies, you've seen them refinance at historically low interest rates. Right. And the rate at which they're growing, they're still growing earnings, the rate at which they're still growing revenues, it still makes sense. The valuation spread on growth versus value, and what I mean by that is the forward price to earnings ratio. So looking 12 months forward, what are these companies trading at? Looking at that spread, we're seeing that valuation spread lower than the COVID 2020 lows. Financial conditions are a lot tighter. We're seeing an entirely different macroeconomic backdrop, but that could be a strength in and of itself for growth companies is that they've been able to refinance at very low rates. And given the sell-off that we've seen in some of these names, begs the question, do you throw some money at these companies? Digging into weaknesses, the growth part of it, valuations, while they have come down, are still elevated compared to historical norms. Rising rates, we've seen that. And that's been a factor for why performance on the growth index itself is worse than the value index. Um, Discounting those future cash flows back at higher interest rates is causing that valuation to have to be reassessed. And that's what's going on in the market right now. 100%. I mean, anytime you know it's a simple math equation, right? 10 divided by 5 is less than 10 divided by 2. So, you know, when you're increasing these interest rates, uh, it makes sense that we're seeing multiple compression across the board, especially in these high-flying names, right? Those revenues are forecasted farther off in the future. So when the market has to do its math, price things back in, you're increasing the size of that divisor. It makes sense that we've seen the pullback. Now, obviously, the question is, how much is enough? Have we seen things pull back accordingly? Has the market maybe overreacted? Um, We're going to have to see how that plays out here going forward. My weakness for value was the classic one, uh, value trap. Even though valuations still look a bit elevated in the value space compared to where they have historically been, you could easily buy into a company that has valuation metrics that look attractive, but the company just does not meet expectations or perform well and hold on or own a company that is essentially just not performing. And I think that feeds off of the question that we've kind of seen the past 15 years, you know, are these value oriented companies, are they cheap because they're being mispriced by the market or are they truly cheap for a reason, right? Is their business model kind of phasing out? Are there better opportunities? I think that kind of compounds on the whole disruption theme that we've seen ever since we've come out of 2008. The whole theme around these growth companies, the story behind it has been, hey, these are disruptive companies that are really turning those those old industries on their head. Given the times that we're in right now, we're almost coming back to that question. Is it, do you run with these value-oriented companies, companies that are a little more traditional in a sense, more immediate cash flows, they can weather the storm, or with the change that we might see coming forward, do you pick up some of these more disruptive, innovative companies at more attractive prices than what we've seen the past few years? I think just to kind of state weaknesses in both senses, Blaine had a really good point with the whole value trap and value stocks, but I also want to talk about the potential weaknesses in growth names as well. One that really kicks off in my head is going to be higher interest rates and higher cost of capital here going forward. I know we just said that companies have refinanced at historically low rates, but when it comes time to potentially issue new debt, raise some more money to keep the business going, I think that higher cost of capital, that's what's really making the markets a little nervous here. And then you couple that with 
higher inflation and lower growth expectations, that's really going to affect these companies that don't have those more immediate cash flows, right? If their revenues are forecasted farther off in the future and the market says, oh, hey, well, going forward, I don't think growth is going to be as high as it has, but I think that's going to kind of dial back. They're really going to need to discount those companies a little more. Let's segue into opportunities. The one I had for growth, and this goes right to your point of what weakness kind of ties in here, is rates actually come down. Financing and liquidity comes back into the system. And that would be through the way of the Fed stepping in and saying, you know what, we've tightened too much. We need to cut this back. Uh, And they start cutting rates or providing liquidity to the market. And then also valuations compared to where they were over the last few years uh, actually look more attractive. Uh, Those were the two I had for growth. Value, I had strategic acquisitions. Valuations coming down, companies with strong balance sheets at the moment could be looking to make some sort of acquisition over the next year or two to either generate growth or to add to the efficiencies within their business. The prices of companies have not come down just for investors, right? If you're in the M&A market, if you're looking to possibly pick up new companies, some of these value companies could go and look at some of these growthier enterprises, say, hey, you know, do we kind of add this component to our business model? Does it maybe make that value company into more of maybe a quality company now, right? You have a combination of both value and growth. The opportunity there for some M&A activity, um, it it does really kind of pique one's interest. You know, the only thing that I'd like to be cognizant of going forward and maybe watch here is going to be if we see an economic slowdown, you know, you kind of see companies get a little more reserved. You kind of see them get a little more defensive, like we talked about a few weeks earlier, that M&A activity maybe dries up a little bit. But I definitely think that there is some opportunity there in that sense for growth companies, like you were just alluding to, the fact that we've seen rates maybe peak for the cycle. I know we've been on a couple different calls over the past few weeks listening to different research teams, different strategists from across the industry saying that we very well may have seen peak rates this time around. We saw the tenure get around three spot four not too long ago, and now it's kind of having trouble cracking that 3% mark. So if we've seen rates kind of already peak, it maybe begs the question, okay, now that we've seen the market kind of do what we may have expected, is there opportunity now in growth going forward? And and I think there very well might be, right? I think if you're a long-term investor, that taking advantage of these kind of pullbacks is never a bad idea. You know, maybe five, 10 years down the road that putting some money to work at a time like now might not be the worst idea. What did you have for threats? Our weaknesses and our threats kind of align in a sense. You know, I would say threats going forward is going to be, you know, we're watching inflation data come out this week. If inflation still continues to run hotter than expected, that's going to hit the market as a whole, right? Obviously, on a relative basis, you tend to see value stocks hold up a little better than their growth counterparts. But if inflation does come in a little hotter, that's going to affect both of these names. That was one that I had at the top of my mind coming into this. I would say on the growthier side, you kind of couple that with growth expectations. So if growth is expected to dial back a little bit more, obviously that's going to hit growthier names. But I would say even for your more value-oriented companies, I would say consumers shifting their spending patterns or scaling back, that can still hit these companies. So think 
right? I, okay. had, I had economic activity slowing down as the big threat for value companies. 100%, right? Because so obviously, you know, energy stocks have really pulled back in the past in the past couple of months. Despite that, still the top performing sector in the S&P this year. I think it might be viewed kind of as more, okay, people need to travel, right? People need to take their cars to work, so maybe gas prices are a little stickier, but I mean, there are ways that people can curb that, whether it be, you know, traveling less on the weekends. So that that kind of goes more into leisure activity people can still scale back their spending on some of these essential items. And so I think the consumer rethinking that, rethinking their lifestyle and just kind of pulling back and then you start to see economic activity pull back, I think that's a that's a, that's a prime threat. And then for growth, I just had uh, capital markets and liquidity drying up. Also, it creates what you had talked about earlier, challenging environment for growth companies to access debt markets and capital markets to finance projects going forward. And I think that liquidity point is something that needs to not be underestimated. Ever since we came out of 2008 here, there has been a ton of liquidity in the system relative to what we've been used to. A very accommodative Federal Reserve, low interest rates, things of that nature. Well, now when you have the Fed starting to unwind its balance sheet, pull liquidity out of the system, that's where the market kind of starts to say, oh, shoot, you know, maybe it's time to kind of dial things back a little more, not really bank on having a Federal Reserve that is so accommodative, that is willing to kind of prop up markets in a sense. You know, I use that term lightly. When money's cheap, it's a lot easier for people to be a little more greedy. When it's not as cheap, you have higher interest rates, lower growth expectations. That's where uh, you kind of have to start thinking a little more logically. And I think that's been a prime catalyst for values outperformance relative to growth throughout the start of this year. I agree. Let's wrap things up, go around the horn. Our headline strength. For value would be cash flows. And then for growth, uh, the companies are still growing and debt is relatively cheap. Headline weakness thinking in the growth aspect of things, the primary weakness there is going to be just a higher discount rate on growthier companies. The weakness for value companies is going to be, are these lower valuations representing a value trap instead of an opportunity? Headline opportunity. For value, potentials, strategic acquisitions, and then for growth, uh, interest rates come down and valuations are more attractive at the moment. Headline threat. I would say the headline threat is going to pertain to both growth and value. And I would say that that would be slower economic activity going forward. You couple that with higher inflation rates, and that's going to be impacting both of those areas as well. I had one more thing to throw in, and this comes from Buffett. Classic quote from him. Paraphrase, I should say. Growth and value are both part of the same equation when you're looking at your investment portfolio, and it really comes down to the return on investment and return on invested capital that those companies are gonna achieve. We want, as a committee, look at both of those, and that's kind of why we wanted to go through growth and value today as two different parts of a portfolio. Insight Perspective, members of the Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, the Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast. Blaine Disroot, trader and research analyst, thank you. Thank you. Trevor Nargis, investment management specialist, thank you. Thanks, Danny. Annex Wealth Management, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and 
and don't necessarily reflect on those of Annex Wealth Management, LLC. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or a solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risk. Neither Annex Wealth Management, LLC, nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.